Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. All right, everybody, I think we are going live right now. And um, I'm going to, yep. All right, so as I am waiting for everybody to get on and Ben's about ready to hop on with me, uh, go ahead and put in the comments where you're tuning in from where you are, um, uh, where, yeah, where you're from and um, what you're looking forward to most about being back to work. Let's do that. Uh, today is going to be really cool and excited to share with you this book that I just read and to be able to speak to the author and for us to be able to do this before the book even released is really, really cool. It's actually has a lot of similarities into what I like to talk about. Ben is a scientist, though, so he actually has to back up with a lot of research and studies, and it's a lot its a lot of fun. So go ahead and hop on here. Terry from Illinois is awesome. Thanks for being here, Terry. Appreciate it. We're going to get some more people jumping on here to see. Here's Ben. Let me bring him on. Here. All right. Cool. Ben, I am bringing you on right now. Make sure I can see you and hear you. And What's up, Dino? Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing go. good. How are you? Awesome, thank you. Sorry, let me switch over my my thing. I love, but boy, I gotta tell you, I don't know how we're gonna set this all in an hour because I've gone through the whole book. My wife and I are now going to go back through the book together again because there's so many things. I'm like, me, I knew it. So I'm really. <laughs> Hey, I have to grab a cord real quick. I know we're live. Everyone, I'm stoked to be here with Dino. I got to grab a cord. My computer's about to die, but stoked to be with you on this live. I'm going to get people to keep uh, jumping in here and telling us where we're coming from. Technical stuff, ladies and gentlemen. I want to make sure that we get all of the things up that we need to get up. There we go. I'm going to use my better microphone and use that there. Okay. So, um, well, Dino, I'm glad you read it, my friend. <laughs> oh man, it's it, no, it's really, really cool. So, okay, so let, let's, I, I don't want to jump on into this the way that I could because I really, um, listen, I know there's a, that confirmation bias, right? Obviously, that's there, but as I'm reading and I'm going, like, I know this is what I tell people, I know, and but as I was just saying on the live here, that you obviously have the PhD behind you. Uh, I have a fake PhD that I call myself uh, with all the, with, it's all caps, which is passionate husband and dad, but, and I've been using that for years, you actually a PhD and you actually did the research and you're actually able to say, look, here's some studies, here's proof on this. And uh, it also gave me a lot of, um, I'll just say it allowed me to, oh, so that the mic is kind of off. Let's see. I might have two microphones plugged in. Let's make sure we don't do that. Let's take this out. Sorry. You sound great from my end, but do I? I, don't know okay. what you're, I don't know what you're hearing on your end, but you sound beautiful to me. All right, let me move that there. And I'm going to mute this one and mute that one. All right, tell me if that's better. Uh, I have some people listening in. Okay, cool, much better. Okay, so um, one of the things that I went through with my wife about this was your story at the beginning, I mean, you captivated me right because about the color code, 
because we've had arguments over this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, she had, I mean, we've been married 25 years, right? So it's, it's been a little longer when you're telling your story about all your, uh, about your stuff and, and, and your but when wife. was the last time you took it? Oh, it was back when we were dating because I take it so again and you'll be stunned at how, annoyed how absurd by it. it is. <laughs> I'm so annoyed by it. Okay, so let me just do a quick introduction here. First of all, um, I actually am going to have you tell us your story real quickly. But uh, Ben and I have known each other for about two years. I, I was lucky enough to sit next to him at a uh, mastermind that we belong to called the Genius Network, and I got to. I, I didn't know who he was. Uh, he's, he's he is pretty unassuming sitting next to me. And all of a sudden somebody mentioned willpower doesn't work as this book, which I had already had on my audible. And I looked down and I see his name as Ben Hardy. And I'm like, cause the person said, Oh, you know, Ben Hardy with the willpower doesn't work. <laughs> I looked down, I'm like, dude, I'm totally sitting next to Ben Hardy. And I text my wife. I'm like, I'm and she doesn't know who it is. I'm like, I'm sitting next to Ben Hardy. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, no, willpower doesn't work. You know, it's a book that I told you about, about your environment and being around people as opposed to just like getting anyways. So it was, that was the first, uh, and you were the kindest, nicest guy to me. You were just like, reach over. And then we find out we have a lot more in common, whether it be spiritual beliefs or background. But uh, from there, it's been this really interesting thing to see all the stuff you're doing and to see, just be a part of that group in general is awesome because you get to sit around and, 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 and talk with really cool people. But when you announced that this book was coming out, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is I didn't realize it was going to be around the topic, not around the topic, but kind of starting off with the premise of what you think is your personality is not necessarily what you think your personality or what your personality is. And I connected with that because I'm really an introvert, for example, like I, I, man, if I don't have to go out of my house for days, if I can just run errands with my wife, I like that. And people who know me and people watching this right now would probably be like, no way. Dino is a total extrovert because I love being doing a Facebook live and everything. Doing a Facebook live, right? <laughs> You're exactly. scaring me right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I love, like, I love being on stage and I love performing with people and I love uh, connecting with people and I love, I, I do, I love being a performer when I need to be a performer. And part, and there's a section in your book where you talk about, look, when you have to do something and you call upon yourself to do it, then you can do it. Like you. It, but people use an excuse of like, oh, no, no, I don't like to get in front of people. Oh, no, no, I don't do that because of this thing they were told they do. Anyways, let me take you back for just a moment, Ben, because um, my I'm mom- I'm so glad me, to be talking with you, Dino. Thank you. Me <laughs> you too. Take, take me back, dude. You're I not even this. talking. I'm doing all the talking. No, it, I, it, I'm, I'm glad, dude. You're, you're, you're the one teaching my book. It's the best way to it, do it. It's so great. And here, so when we take were kids- back. When my When we were little kids, so I grew up in a divorced family like yours as well. Uh, my parents divorced when I was eight years old. We grew up in a really small town in California and uh, I had a speech impediment. I didn't know it at the time, but I had dyslexia um, and I am, I was not a book reader. I would do anything I could to avoid writing, reading a book. Well, my brothers took this assessment test when they were younger and it was given by the school counselor and this is elementary school and they pulled my mom in and in a general way, they basically said to my mom, don't expect any of your boys to be really more than auto mechanics because that's kind of their capability level. And my mom on her, to her credit, didn't tell us this until we were all much older. But at that moment it was like, I'm not going to tell my kids that they can't be more than mechanics. Like how crazy is that? 
And that set the pace for us, for my mom, just kind of really not putting a lot of pressure on us to do certain things, but also giving us the freedom to choose what we want to do in our, in our life. And if you look at every single one of my siblings, we are so different personalities. I am completely different. I'm the middle child, completely different than my bro- older brother, who's a sports guy, my other brother, who's a, a psychologist, like all this stuff, right? What I want people to get out of this book, and I tease them with, especially hiring people. I know there's a lot of people who hire people based upon a Colby test or a disc test, or I think Tony Robbins just brought out another thing saying that that's his most, his favorite test is the disc test, right? Briggs Myers, of course. (laughs) And so you talking about this and I tease people saying, do not hire just based upon those things. And I have some questions about that, that I want to get into, but before we get into all of this, and that's a big teaser, hopefully people are already, you know, captivated by what we're going to be talking about. Where'd you come from? Why'd you do this? And tell us a real quick, your, your story of how you got into this whole space of writing and sharing this knowledge with the world. Yeah. Uh, as a quick little further teaser, there are way better ways than kind of the very overly simplistic type-based personality tests. Those are the worst tool you could use. And there's better personality profiles out there that are more scientific. But um, anyways, yeah, so... I grew up, you know, in Utah and uh, essentially I would say kind of the big pivotal things that led me to writing this book and to ultimately being in this world. I did have a crazy background similar to Dino. My parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. It was pretty intense. My uh, led my father to being a pretty intense drug addict for basically all of my junior high and high school, really rough situation. And when I was about 19 years old, I, I, I still don't know how I graduated high school, but I was living at my cousin's house playing video games all day. And just one of the things that Victor Frankl talks about in Man's Search for Meaning, which is a book I highly recommend to anyone, especially during COVID-19. Yeah, it's great. But it's a great book. But he talks about, you know, how if you don't have a future or a goal or a purpose, you have meaninglessness in your present. And like in the context of the concentration camps and the Holocaust, what that means is you die. Like if you don't have a future to strive for, you actually, you you die. Um, And so for myself, when I was 19 years old, like I really didn't have a clear future. I'd kind of given up on that because of just a lot of repeated failures or repeated challenges. And ultimately I just was not enjoying life. It was meaningless. I couldn't find much meaning and purpose to it. And when you don't have that, you just distract the heck out of yourself in the present. Um, and so I kind of got sick of that and I decided I would go on a church mission, which is a big part of my faith and kind of wanted a new start, a new escape, a new journey. And that was really the thing that caught me connected back in my spiritual roots. It got me moving forward in my life. I had a new environment. I could just change my life. And it was really that transformational experience, which is a two year journey, um, that led me to being interested in studying psychology. Uh, also interestingly going through that experience led me to redeveloping a relationship with my dad. He overcame all, a lot of his addictions while I was on that mission, pretty much all of them actually. And he became, you know, he's no longer in that world. You know, like we, we both, we both view, I, I view that former experience in my life, which for a long time I defined as like really the worst experience in my life. I'm, I now frame it as something I'm quite grateful for because I would not be willing, I would not be able to do or handle, for example, going from zero to three foster kids and handling that. I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things I do now had I not dealt with so much as a young person. So I'm actually incredibly grateful for it now. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, just, but now essentially now I just, 
have been studying psychology because I'm so interested in people. I'm very interested in, I'm very, I'm personally interested in change. I'm interested in growth and change. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm studying now. And I ended up getting a PhD in psychology. We, we, uh, during my first year of the psychology program, we got three foster kids, spent three years fighting the system in court, adopted them, had twins, uh, <laughs> that same year wow. that we adopted our same kids. year. Yeah, so it's just been a it's been a crazy journey at this point. Now we live in Florida because my wife's a huge Disney buff. She when she was in college, she actually did like a Disney program, and she was Mary Poppins for a year. Oh, so really? Like she's just she loves Disney, and so this is why we moved down here to Orlando, even though we can't go anymore for the for the time being. But uh, yeah, we're just we're just chilling here, and I'm just writing books. And this book, I think, goes several layers deeper, obviously, than Willpower Doesn't Work. This book really kind of. What power doesn't work is more about behavior design, whereas this book is really about just the whole gamut. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So willpower doesn't work. Well, let me back up for just a moment. So first of all, what we're going to touch on in here too, you kind of alluded to it for just a moment there, even uh, when it went when it be, uh, around your mission, right? You realized, hey, I can kind of choose how I want to be. I can rewrite the story, as you talk about in the book, right? About being able to completely change the narrative of what should be and what's supposed to be in the, in the past. And then the second part that I really appreciate you bringing up is I'm the same way. Like for years, my parents divorced and the trauma of that was my excuse, was my reason of like, well, I even told my wife when we first got married, I would not be secure in our relationship even after married until at least 13 years in because that was the amount of time my parents were were married. Interesting. So I told her that going into it, that changed very quickly. But I now look at my parents' divorce as one of the greatest blessings to me. I joke about, and if my parents are watching this, I'm not sending a check, but I do say, man, I've made a lot of money off their divorce, right? Like, because I've been able to reframe the way that whole situation was. I do what I do now, focusing on relationships and people's connection with one another because of that divorce. How cool is that? And the things that I learned and yeah, it's, it's I mean, I, I deal with orthodontists on a majority level because of the orthodontist experience that I had, even though it was traumatic with my parents fighting over who was going to pay that bill every single month, me being the cause of their fight. Right. It's like, there's so much you can look into and, and, and write into that, but let me back up to willpower doesn't work for just a moment. Um, Willpower Doesn't Work was the first thing that introduced me to you, which was, uh, let me see if I can shift that over here, which was the idea around, I I call it um, the enduring to the end, the white knuckling it, right? Like we must, we can white knuckle through this, right? And we can create the thing if we just focus on it or concentrate long enough or work hard enough. And for me, Willpower Doesn't Work really reframed the environmental structure of what I'm putting myself in. And so even with my kids and my spouse, there are times where I have to be like, okay, I got to get out of this and I can't be around that frame of mind because I'm working on something that requires me to be out of that, out, out of that environment and put myself in a new environment. But great book. I recommend everybody to go get it. As you can see here on the ticker. Oh no, you can go see that on Amazon, but uh, personality isn't permanent is the reason why we're here talking today. And what I want to do is I want to dive into some of these ideas. Let's first talk about, because I think the premise that you set is not only uh, sexy, it's not only um, attractive. Even my wife this morning, as we were talking about, she started going to this thing of going, okay, so if I were to ask the questions today, one thing I would talk about, like 
even though I agree that those personality tests probably aren't great, shouldn't you use that as like a baseline and then decide what you do like and what you don't like off of the baseline? And it's like, no, you got to understand. <laughs> ben just taught me this. And um, your premise is that it's not even the premise. It's actually scientific fact that those personality tests actually do more harm than good and aren't based upon anything more than like horoscopes, more than guessing, more than just good ideas. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's smart people making them, you know, mm -hmm. but like they're not how a psychologist would view personality. Like I, they're very overly simplistic. They're not accurate. They're, you could maybe get some insight from them, but that insight is heavily limited and should be taken with extreme grains of salt. Um, and, you know, it's not always true. Like whatever score you get is not just fact. I mean, in multiple situations, you're not going to act according to the score. And so the score is, you, you should do, you could do whatever you want with it. Um, when you understand how and why these tests are made, you question them. Like I actually, I, that's why I asked you, Dino, I asked you if you'd taken the personality test, the color code again. I think no. you should. Just I probably should. No, no. Just because you and your wife will laugh. Um, my wife and I actually, because I was talking about this so much lately, we were told you should go take the test again. I'm like, okay. So I went and took the test. We took the test. First off, you know, and I have no beef with um, like the people who made that test, but it is kind of a, a poorly constructed one of the, like, I didn't even, I didn't even remember this, but basically all the questions are framed as answer this as you would as a child. So you're supposed to explain yourself in scenarios and say, answer how you would handle this situation as a child. Um, I asked a couple of my psychologist, like psychologist friends about that construction of questions. And they're like, we would have huge concerns about that. Cause how could you actually answer that question? There's no objective way to answer that question. Um, but well, um, well, we, you're also doing what you talk about in the book where you are, um, you're assuming and creating a belief that because that's the way you were as a child, then that's the way that you are forever. Oh yeah. No, no. I had big problems with that. Cause I obviously don't think you're the same person you were even five years ago. Right. right. <laughs> so, why would you, so why would you assume you're the same person as you were when you were five? Like that's bad science when For it comes sure. to personality. I mean, the personality research says your personality is going to change throughout your whole life, no matter what. So who cares who you were as a child? But I actually retook the test and I came out as a yellow according to that test. <laughs> oh, my, congratulations. And, yeah, yeah. So now I'm really feeling good about myself. <laughs> Even though she, my wife's like, that's not really, a, you're not a yellow. That's what she said. And she was laughing. But she came out as a white, which is hilarious because she thought she was a red. She's a red, um, right. But now she's a white. So, so we don't really know what our personalities are anymore. But um now, I'll explain to you kind of from, a, from an identity perspective why this is so important. So I will start by saying identity and personality are two different things. Your identity yes. is kind of your self-concept. Your identity is how you define yourself. But your self-concept drives your behavior, and your behavior over time forms your personality. So your identity is actually a lot more important. Um, personality, in my opinion, is not the thing to focus on, as weird as that sounds. Personality is the byproduct. It's the unintended consequence, or it could be the intended consequence. But the thing to focus on is your identity, which is how you define yourself. And that's where you have immediate control over. And that's where you can really start to focus on the person you want to be. And um, the problem with these tests is, is that they do give you a really strong sense of identity. If you take a label seriously, what you do is you try to defend that label. You become completely uh, unopened to criticism about that label and you seek to confirm the label. And so when you own a label so much, first off, you think it's who you always are, which is not true. 
you kind of have blinders on to all the times when the label's not true, but also you're not seeking change. In fact, with the label, you're seeking very much to stay the same. And you're being so definitive about your current self that it leads you to being inflexible to potential for change. It's, and so the, the, they, they create a fixed mindset for yourself. Well, you hear it all the time, right? I mean, I hear it in meetings or I hear it um, with my clients like, well, well, I'm a quick start. So that's why it is. Or, or I, uh, I'm a, what it's, and so I'm the same way in the sense of uh, when I first took the color code years ago, I was, my wife was like, that's, and we were dating at the time. And she's like, that is not you. You, you answer, you, you must not answer correctly, which first of all, puts me on the defensive. Cause I'm like, I feel like I answered honestly. And yet this is what the thing says. Am I really that? And it said, I can, I think at the time it said that I was a, a blue or something. She's like, you are not a blue. You're totally a yellow. But I, I stayed away from them for a while. I actually just had this experience. It's recently. funny because if you are yellow, then you're not an introvert. So you, you, we're definitely confused now. Right? I know. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's crazy. Um, and so I took recently, uh, because somebody had recommended, I mentioned Tony Robbins at the beginning, which I, I love his stuff and I love what he's out there teaching. And somebody had mentioned, oh, I'd be taking, I think it's the disc, the disc test. And I said, you know, I don't know if I've ever taken that one for sure. And so I went, I took it. And again, same conversation with my wife. She's like, that is not you. And I can't remember what it's like. I was a high S or something. And she's like, I don't think that's you. I'm like, but I answered it. What I felt was the correct answers like uh, on the things. How I approach personality tests for the past probably decade when people would bring that to me is I actually use personality tests a little differently where I would say, hey, once they figure out what it is or you say what it is you are, right? That's not the thing that I want, want, want to focus on. I want to focus on all the other things that it says that I'm not. Maybe I'm low in these things. I'll use, I'll, I'll use love languages for an example because that's an easy one, right? I use the example in relationships of if it comes out, you take that thing and you realize, oh, uh, my love language is, is uh, physical touch. That's awesome to know that. Good for you. But that's not where the magic is. For me, the magic is looking at all the other four things and seeing how you can improve on those because they're yeah. necessary for your relationship. Yeah, I think that's smart. I mean, that's really what personality is. is it's just developed attributes. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, do you want to develop other attributes or do you want to just really kind of stay one single person? You know, like I also view it as your comfort zone. Your personality is your comfort zone. And so like to do anything different from how you typically do would be slightly out of your comfort zone, but that's where the growth is, which is where you would develop other attributes. Right. Well, okay. So I'm going to look over here on my side here because I have marked up your book quite a bit and I know we're not going to get through all of it in the time that we have, but I wanted to go to some of my highlighted spots. Uh, first of all, like I said, the story is great at the beginning about you and your wife and how, yeah, she would have totally never had married you as she would look at and, and by the way, okay. Another personal thing. I don't know. So my daughter is probably this. watching, my daughter's probably watching this. And so she'll understand this when my, my daughter recently got married and my daughter is definitely more of a red personality and her husband is a white. And so of course my wife went to that and there was a little bit of frustration when they were first getting married going like, really, this is the guy, but what you're so story, they were, there was a similar reaction. With, yeah, totally. That's why <laughs> when I read your story and there at the very beginning, I was like, wow, that was, we were your wife's parents. And it really humbled me for a second going like, you know what, that's, I get it. Of course, as parents, we're trying to do what we think is best Due for Due diligence and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we're like, well, I don't think you're going to be happy with that. 
And here you're a great example of, you know what, it's not always the fact and the personality isn't uh, permanent as you will, right? Like that white, that red, that label that we're putting on them isn't fair to them in their relationship. You're proof of that. Well, I mean, so as an example, I got a score. I was a white way back when. And let's, the reason I scored myself that way, you have to realize context. You know, con- and one of the big things I actually try to bring up in this book is that context gives meaning to content. And if you don't yes. have the context, you can't have any, you can't know what the content is. And so in context, that was shortly after my mission experience and when I was diving deep into psychology. And so I was loving just reading books and stuff. And so I, when I scored the test, I was mostly focused on those attributes. Um, but to your point with your daughter, um, one of the things that my parent, my in-laws or my, you know, at the time, my girlfriend's parents couldn't see is all they could see was, oh, he's a white, therefore X, Y, and Z, because he's the, what they didn't see was all of the things I'd overcome. They didn't see what type of missionary I was. They didn't see my grades in college. They didn't see my future that I was super excited about and completely confident about. Like they didn't know all of the backstory. Uh, I mean, I had surmounted some insane obstacles um, and they didn't have any of that is all they had was white. And therefore like that was how they saw me. And that kind of thinking is just about as close to racism as you can get when you really think about it. No, like really, like, like it's how different is it from, from like actually like overly categorizing someone and putting all of these associated elements because of a label. And so I thought, I thought it was a little comical because I was like, I had already known what I'd overcome and I was already going a very clear in my mind direction in the future. And so my thought was, is if this works out, I'm going to surprise the crap out of these people. And, and look, look what's happened. That's really good. <laughs> well, let's, let's do this. Let's break into the first part of the book. We, you go into uh, this. Uh, I want to get to the chapter, the myths of the personalities. And I want to break down the five that we have here, the five things you're going to, uh, that you debunk. Uh, number one is personality can be categorized into types. Personality is innate and fixed. Personality comes from your past. Personality is something you discover and personality is who you authentically and truly are. Let's break those down as quickly as we can, just as so everybody gets kind of a good overview. Yeah. I mean, we've already been kind of talking about types. Um, Mm -hmm. Like types is a bad way to view people. Um, It's not real. Personality is way more contextual. It always, it can and does change. And if you're intentional about who your future self is, then it really doesn't matter who you are today. Your future self is what matters. So types, types matter way, you know, it's not a scientific view of people. And in the book, I break down why it's not an accurate view of people. As far as the other myths, and these myths are really interesting, but personality is often viewed as it's your hardwired self. It's who you were when you were born and you're going to be the same person when you're born as you are when you're going to die. Research on that one has kind of already debunked that. <laughs> like, uh, you know, they've, they've studied people longitudinally. Sure. Like they've studied people and like over a course of a person's lifetime, you're going to change a lot. I mean, even over the last 10 years, Dino, do you feel like you're the exact same guy you were 10 years ago? Completely different, right? And that's why that study that you talk about in there uh, where they go through, was it, is it 60 years? Uh, that one is, yeah, there's one, yeah, where they've studied people over 60 years and like the people are just radically different. I mean, totally. that's- yeah. But I mean, even there's more research on people just over five or 10 years. I mean, you know, Daniel Gilbert at Harvard has studied the difference between people, you know, and he's asked many, many people, are you the same person you were 10 years ago? Just like you, most people say no. No, right. <laughs> and there's so, no 
Yeah. So your personality is going to change. And the goal is, is that obviously it's changing in the direction you want it to go. Cause everyone wants to make changes in their life. Um, sure. So yeah, personality is not hardwired. Um, but generally because it's viewed as hardwired and because it's viewed as your innate self, the only way to figure it out is by looking to the past and trying to make some discovery process. Um, the goal is to discover who you really are. And this is why personality tests are so popular because they claim to be the answer. <laughs> like they will, they will solve your discovery problem and give you the personality that you truly are. Um, Does it also lead to, so you mentioned that in the book too. And I think it's, it's really, cause I totally resonated with the idea of yet assessment test, right? Like I sure, I want to find out if I'm, am I Dylan or Brandon from 90210, right? Like, cause that's, that's what I, I it's important <laughs> to me to know that. But, but the idea around it is I then don't have to claim who I want to be. I can let something else or something else describe to me or prescribe to me how I should be. And then yeah, just, and whether you're Dylan or Brandon, once you figure out who you are, then you don't really have to do anything about it. You just say, oh, I guess that's who I am. That's and right. There's no, it, there's, there's no requirement to change, only to justify it becomes my excuse. It becomes the thing I can whine about if I want to. And I, I get to point to it as opposed to myself. Yeah. I mean, to me, when you like, I don't know if you're a basketball fan. Do you know I'm a huge basketball fan? Not it's okay all. if you're not. Okay. Not. You, you, you know who Michael Jordan is, I know is, there's though, right? a thing called basketball. You know, you, you, have you heard of a guy named Michael Jordan? <laughs> I do. I do. I do. <laughs> um, so Michael, there's a, there's a documentary series going on about his life right now. I recommend it even if you're not a basketball player. Very interesting to watch his last cool. year in the Bulls because he was as big as the Beatles for a long right. period of time. Sure. Um, but one of the things that they talk about in this documentary, because this was back in the 90s, is that the game of basketball is very different than it was today. Um, and they looked at Michael Jordan. And one of the things about Michael Jordan that a lot of people didn't know about was is when he came into the NBA, he was a fairly bad shooter. Like he had made some big shots in college, but for the most part, he, they were – the Chicago Bulls who drafted him, they had some big question marks about him. Yes, he was like totally one of the most athletic people in the world. Guy could jump like 50 feet high. But like he wasn't that great of a shooter. But one of the things that people talk about with Michael Jordan is, is that like he was so committed to the ultimate goal that he was willing to go through any process to achieve the goal. He didn't just like lean towards like, this is what I'm good at. I'm only going to do this and therefore limit his goals based on his strengths or weaknesses. He, he committed to whatever he was committed to, and he became the type of person to achieve that. And so by the end of his career, he became one of the best shooters in the NBA. And like Phil Jackson, his coach said, when he joined the NBA, he was horrible, but he got super good at shooting because he wanted to win championships. Um, and so people will say like, well, what about if he played today? Because today now it's all about the three. Like that's, that's how it is now. In the past, it wasn't about the three. It was about like big guys and you know, like posting up. And people are all like, well, Michael Jordan was committed to championships. He was not committed to any specific way of being. And so if he was in the game today, he'd probably be one of the top three-point shooters in the NBA. And I think that that's kind he of – Because he would adjust himself to that. Yeah, because he was committed to winning. He wasn't committed to his strengths or weaknesses. And I think, uh, that, I think that that's kind of – how most people view personality is, is you are who you are, so you should just stick with who you are. Um, once you've discovered your personality, then you can meet people and who fit your personality. You can find a job that fits who you are. And so basically you limit your goals in your future based on who you think you are. And I think a much better approach is to decide who you want to be. So I think the core premise of this book is, is that most people kind of, or at least the way of viewing personality, which may not be most people, but I think it's kind of the pop culture way 
if you view personality as something that's innate, then your job is to find yourself and then your goals become a byproduct of your personality, or at least how you see yourself today. What, what I'm proposing is that it's much better to have your personality be the byproduct of your goals. Your personality or the so person smart. you want to become should be who you want to be. And so that's, that's, I think, what Michael Jordan did. And anyone who's a high achiever, they're not going to limit their future based on their present self. Well, I like the example you give around uh, Elon Musk, right? Like, even though no matter what people think about him or, you know, I think people love him or don't care about him. But the idea that he's, he's not even talking about his past wins in a way, like with you mentioned PayPal in the book, right? He's talking about his, he's going to die on Mars. Like, that's just, that's his story. That's his narrative. He's already created that for him. And people, when people hear that, if I were to say, Hey, I'm going to die on Mars. Most people be like, okay, Dino's nuts. But you hear Elon Musk say it and you're like, oh yeah, that fits because it's the story that he's creating. The question I have for you about the Michael Jordan example is, um, is how much of that is due to the, the practice, practice, practice at shooting versus the identity of he's a great shooter? So the practice, practice, practice could only happen in a good way if he had the identity of a good shooter, which he developed first. He decided that that was something he needed to get. So in psychology, we call it deliberate practice. Um, So like Malcolm Gladwell popularized the 10,000 hour rule, you know? Right, right, But that's not actually a good rule because you can do something for 10,000 hours and not get better. You can actually shoot 10,000 jump shots and still kind of suck at basketball. Yeah, sure. So like... And so like, it's not about repetition, it's about purposeful practice or what we call deliberate practice. And the only way to do that is to have a clear future self in mind. So at some point or another, Michael Jordan said, I'm gonna become a freaking great shooter. I have to be if I wanna get to the level I want to. And so that became his future identity and his practice then had a purpose or it became deliberate. So he wasn't just doing repetition. Cause I mean, there's that whole quote, you can have 20 years of experience or one year experience repeated 20 times. And I think that, when you have a deliberate goal, you can turn your experience into transformational learning. And that's what, so his repetition had a purpose and it became a lot better. So um, I, I love that because it reminds me of what Keith Cunningham talking about, you know, being a, a running enthusiastically in the wrong direction, you know, still <laughs> a bad idea. Right. And so, so you can, you can be shooting, those so shots for 10,000 times, but if you're doing it incorrectly, you're still going to do it incorrectly. It's, it's, it's probably just going to make it worse <laughs> if you're not doing it. That's what they say uh, about doctors. A lot of times, honestly, like the height of their skill is right out of medical school. Like after that, they kind of decline because they're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Oh, uh, so I, I do this thing when I come out on stages and I have talk to my doctors about this and anybody who's listening, remember again, go ahead and say hi in the chat box, ask any questions on there. But if you've heard me say this, say, yep, I've heard you say that, Dino, because I, when I get up on stage, I say, hi, this is how I introduce myself. Hi, my name is Dino Watt and I'm the best in the world at what I do. And I'm standing in front of a group of people who I believe are the best in the world at what they do. And I get people who kind of push me back sometimes and be like, man, that's kind of arrogant or, oh, nice of you. And I tell them, look, I'm not saying it from a place of arrogance. I'm saying it from a place of how dare I stand on a stage and believe that I'm going to teach you anything or share anything with you without believing right now in this very moment, I'm the best in the world at what I do. And when I come to your office, I'm going to be the best in the world at what I do. And I change that mindset, hopefully, with the thought of, when a mom brings in her kid to get her, her, te- her kid's teeth straightened by you, she has the right to believe 
that you believe you're the best in the world of what you do, not the second best, not, hey, you passed. And in that same Michael, uh, Michael Jackson, <laughs> Michael Jordan example um, would be that when team members got on the, the team with Michael Jordan, he didn't go to them and say, hey, guys, we're going to give it our all. He said, we're going to be the best in the world. We're going to win championships. Come on this team if you want to win championships. If not, you can go to some other team. Yeah, exactly. That's infectious. I'm, in. I'm with you and I love it. Okay, so uh, let me bring up another note here because I have a lot of them. We're, there's no way we're going to get through all these things. One, one uh, just quick side note though, yeah, real quick, Dino, if, while you're looking this up. Yep. It's cr- one other thought on the whole authenticity thing is I bring up that uh, teenagers these days, um, you know, there's a lot of teenagers, for example, who won't do public speaking in school because they sure. say it's comfortable. Um, it's not their authentic self. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, I would just say rather than trying to discover who you are, when you start to focus on your future self, it's a decision you make. It's not something you discover, it's a choice. And you have a choice to say, is this the person I want to be? And so you, that's the place to start. And maybe that's where you're going next. But like future self and future identity is ultimately the place you start on any growth process is deciding the person you want to be. And that's a decision you make, not a discovery. So let me ask you then, does that kind of combining two, two ideas that you have in the book and then a, a thought that I talk about often, how much of that uh, brings in the thought of delusion in your mind? So kids nowadays- well, I, You're yeah, an entrepreneur the, and every one of my psychology professors said that entrepreneurs are, you have to be delusional. To be oh, I'm completely delusional. I totally believe that. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking of, I feel like we have a problem with, um, I love American Idol. I love watching stuff like that. But my challenge with it is that we've created a generation of people who believe that if they're passionate about something, then that's who they are. If I'm not a musician, then I am nothing, right? And I'm going, and then they open their mouth and they, they're terrible, right? And you're like, yeah, you play an instrument or something because your singing is not your thing. How much of that, no, I really want to be a champion, like I, I believe myself to be a champion, can it create a delusion if there's not, if it's not backed up by the skill? Um, to some degree. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that every person has to come to their own conclusion on that. I mean, I'm not going to let you define what's delusional for me. I think I can get some good feedback from people and like I, I can get people I trust to help me make a decision. But at the end of the day, I don't want your definition of what's delusional for me to define what I'm going to attempt. You know, so like, I think it's a decision everyone has to make. I'm, and like, you may think that someone really just doesn't have it. I mean, I get, and by the way, this is called personality isn't permanent. It's not, you can change your height and become seven feet tall. So yeah, not, that's great. I'm not, I'm not telling you, you can go and become a center in the NBA. This is about right. personality. Um, right. So I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you as well that you can become a famous singer. Like I'm, <laughs> you know, like, but what I am saying is, is that, um, you know, there are things you can deliberately practice. There are things you can get very good at. And just as an example, just because I wrote this book doesn't mean it was easy. Doesn't, none of the writing I've ever done has been easy. In fact, in my opinion, this is actually the hardest thing I do. It's not natural. Uh, being a parent of five kids is not natural, but I'm yeah. choosing to do it and I'm getting a lot better at it. Uh, and so I, I, you know, if you would have seen my writing 10 years ago, you probably would have said I was delusional to say that I wanted to become a professional writer. I mean, I read old journals and like I had no grammatical skills. Um, 
And so I, I still have a hard time discerning that. I would still choose the growth mindset over the fixed mindset. And someone who calls you delusional about your goals probably has a fixed mindset about you. And so those are the people that would discourage your dreams anyways. So it, it's a hard situation, you know? Well, I, like I think everyone has, to, everyone has to come to their own conclusion on that, but I wouldn't surround myself with people who have a fixed mindset about my abilities. No, I think that's great. And I, I like that you make that distinction of changing your personality is one thing. As you said, changing your height is another. When people say you can be anything you want to be in this world, I always kind of be like, no, you can't. Like, I, I'm not going to be an, a center for the NBA, right? As you say, I'm not going to be a Joffrey Ballet dancer at 47 years old. It's just not going to happen. Um, when you talk about that, there's a quote here that I, I highlighted here oh, by, um, oh, I forget her first name, but last name is Gilbert. It says, human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they are finished. That's, a, that's Daniel Gilbert. He's Daniel amazing. Gilbert. Yeah. He's that's, a Harvard psychologist. That's like, to me, that spoke to me when I was reading through this going like, that is so true. Because conceptually, I think we get like, yeah, of course, like we shift and we change. But when we really think about it, it's the excuse that we use to not progress. So he gave a TED talk on this subject. It's called The Psychology of Your Future Self. And he spent a lot of time studying this. And basically his conclusion is, is that many people, if not the majority of people, place so much value on the present that we think that who we are, no matter what time it is, the person you were five years ago, even though you're a different person than you were five years ago, do you know the person you were five years ago thought you knew who you were? And today, yeah. you think you know who you are. And so as a result, we overvalue the present, we underestimate the changes that are going to occur in the future, and we don't spend much time proactively seeking change. Instead, we think that the person we are today is generally who we're going to be. And so we can get very definitive in who we are today. I mean, I would even say at the beginning of this interview, I hope at some point you stop defining yourself as an introvert. Um, oh, not, be, not, not because you are or you're not, but because the future version of you may or may not be. And I'm more interested in that version of you. You know, like if, and you can go as far into the future as you want. You know, I know that you have spiritual perspectives that take you way beyond this life. Right. And so like you can go that far out or you can just say in three to five years. Um, but to me, that version of Dino is way more important than who you are today. And like, that's the truth of myself too. Um, I actually have this letter. So my grandpa Rex, who's one of my heroes, um, he's really one of the reasons I went on that mission in the first place. He died probably in 2015 or something. He was 94 years old, but we found a letter and it's now on the back of my phone. We wow. found a letter that he wrote to my brother, Trevor, who's right now in a treatment facility, who's been struggling with addiction for a long time. But we've, found this letter because he was living at my dad's house for the last couple of years of his life. And he wrote this letter to my brother and it says this, and I just love it. But he said, and it, it, to me, it just speaks truth. It says, it's to my brother, Trevor, but he says, Trevor, you are a wonderful man, but you must always remember that it is not what you are today that matters. It is what you want in your heart to become. Life is a process of striving to be better every day. Uh, he then goes on because he's very, he's got his spiritual perspectives, but he says, if we are sincere in our efforts, we will truly someday become what God wants us to be. Um, but I just think the first paragraph of that is so important. You are a wonderful man, but you must always remember that it is not what you are today that matters. It, it, it is not what you are today that matters. It is what you want in your heart to become. And there's a really good book, honestly, on the subject. It's called, um, It's Not How Good You Are, It's How Good You Want to Be. <laughs> it's a cool freaking book by Paul Arden. But to me, future self matters way more than current self because current self is temporary. Um, it's not to be held on to too tightly. Like, yeah. you know, you're, that's why, you, in my opinion, it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm weirded out at this point when people are so definitive in describing their current self. Yeah. Um, Cause your future self is going to be different, but also if you're someone who's 
really striving for specific goals, then you've got to actively, actively be becoming that person. And that person is different from who you are today. And, and that makes life a progress perspective. Like Dan Sullivan said, the bigger your future, the better your present. When you have that future, then your present is you working towards that versus you just being who you are. No, I love that. Um, I had that smack kind of in my face a few months ago, probably about uh, six months ago. So as I said, when I was younger, you know, I, I, I had undiagnosed dyslexia. I didn't know that until we, we uh, were able to diagnose my son with dyslexia. And I took the test at the same time and was like, oh, well, that's why. Um, and I understood it. I've never considered myself a reader. I've never considered myself, I've considered myself more street smarts. Uh, I have a couple of good talents that I believe I have around uh, simplifying things and, and complex problems. I was doing one of my, I have a three-day event that I do with doctors where I have doctors come out and I, we mastermind their business for three days. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. My learning, my best learning style is through learning, uh, for listening. I love that. So I listen to a ton of audiobooks. I listen usually on like two times speed. I just really enjoy audiobooks. So I quote a lot of people and I'll quote a lot of books. Well, I'm about two days into my event and a doctor stops me because I said some, I started with, so like, you know, Ben Hardy says in his book, she said, she goes, oh my gosh. And I was like, what? And she goes, you quote books all the time. Like how often do you read? You read all the time. You're just so, you're a wealth of knowledge. I've never described myself as a wealth of knowledge. I've never seen myself as that. But in that moment, it almost, it took me aback. It almost was not offensive, but like I saw someone else's perspective of me through their eyes and it shifted as a real, it made me realize myself. It didn't make me go, oh yeah. Like the example you give of the woman with the drawing and, and uh, the, the teacher corrects her, right? And how that trauma in that moment shifts her. And it's so, I mean, we look at that and go, it's so petty. Well, yeah, it's a meaning she gave to the experience. Yeah, that moment, that meaning that created for me was a positive of like, oh, and since that day, no joke, since that day, I consider myself educated. I consider myself, I mean, I barely graduated from high school. I didn't go to college. But now all of a sudden I'm like, huh, I do. I am, I am that smart. I do have this knowledge. I do. And so that shift in my personality was really powerful for me. And it's taught me since then, and I'm sure before that, but since then just that moment of like, oh, awakenness. So not letting that past belief system as you talk about the trauma stop me or, or dictate how I feel now or what I believe my personality is. And people do well, that I, all the time. Well, and I also just think it becomes a real enjoyable process to define yourself in ways that you want to. I mean, I remember, yes. cause I, I didn't consider myself a very smart person before my mission. As an example, I barely graduated from high school. I never displayed any uh, book smarts or education. I mean, I didn't like reading. It was, but at some point or another, when I started reading lots of books, I decided to define myself as someone who loves learning. I defined myself as someone who's very knowledgeable. Like this was something I, def I projected. I'm like, I mean, I could project myself someone who loves fitness. I mean, you, and so the, the idea is, is that you could define that. I mean, I could project myself as someone who's a politician, you know, like I'm not saying that that's who I am today, but I could project myself as that and become that if I want to. And so I think deciding how you want to define and describe yourself and projecting you know, like you could project yourself as that you are an incredibly educated person and you could start to see yourself that way or a very social person or someone who's very emotionally intelligent. Like 
I think that that's really when life becomes enjoyable and, and creative is when you start to define the attributes and characteristics that you want to see and you start to become that person. So I do an exercise where I talk about leadership and I have people that identify people that they think are great leaders and whether they know them or not, some of them are like personal friends or family members and other ones are like, you know, people they know of like uh, Tony Robbins or whatever. And I'll say, okay, so what about those personality traits do you like and do you want to adopt and to live into that idea, that identity of them? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of the same thing of like being able to look at it and go like, oh, and when I was reading, that's the thing that I focused on. I was like, yeah, that's, I want to be like that person. I want to have, and, and I put on a character every once in a while. When I'm on stage, there are times where I have to put on a character, of course. The identity. A the, different the persona. <laughs> yeah. Of the person. And I try to, I always say, I try to be the same on stage as I am off stage in the sense of who I am, my identity, obviously. But there are times where on stage where I've got to be a little more Jim Carrey than, than, than sometimes on stage where I've got to be a little more, you know, Brene Brown. I mean, to me, it would be weird if you were the same guy on stage as you were at church, you know, or whatever. Like, I, I actually think that the idea that you Talk have to, to the be congregation this... because it might be this. Thing. <laughs> well, what, I, what I'm saying, though, is like, it's I think it's kind of a weird Western idea. It has very much a Western idea that you're the same person in every situation, because in Western culture, we're very individualistic. We ignore context. We just focus on individuals that um, the idea that you're the same person in every situation is not only false, but it's it's. It's not a good idea. You shouldn't be the same guy in every situation. On stage, you have certain goals that you're trying to achieve. Whereas if you're sitting on the beach trying to relax, you have other goals. Uh, or if you're at church or you're on an airplane, like context really matters. And also the role you're playing. On stage, you have a role. You're the speaker, yes. you're the entertainer. Whereas when you're like at home with your wife, maybe you may be entertaining, but like you may just be relaxing or making dinner. Like, and so role and context matter a lot and you shouldn't be the same person in every role. Like dirt, certain relationships require different sides of you or different, different versions of you. And so, um, yeah, I'm not the same person in every situation in my life. And I don't, actually no one is. That's actually one of the reasons why these tests that give you one score are quite inaccurate is because you're not the same in every situation and context matters a lot. Well, and you even mentioned uh, in that part, in that section of the book, you talk about how there's, you know, three personalities of this or 10 personalities of that or five personalities. It's like, well, well, which, which, which one is it? Like, what's my trait? What's my character? Because, and, and I, I felt the same way when I was reading that, I felt the same way of like, there are oftentimes where I'm going, well, is it, should I focus on my strengths and my strengths finder? Or should I really lean more towards what the disc says or the Briggs Myers or whatever? Uh, it's, you just it's, should take them all. And then you should, <laughs> and then once you've taken all 50 of them, you should then, you know, really patchwork who you think you are. <laughs> That's what I think. Of, there are people who do that. I really think that. I know uh, there are. I know it's I have, crazy. <laughs> I want to talk about purpose trumping personality because that's a really a good thing. But before we do, uh, there's a great question stuff. here that we want to ask about. When does the book release? I want to, I want you to answer that. And then everybody, if you go to, it's, it's been, it's been hardy.com, not Benjamin. Benjamin, hardy, right? Benjamin, Benjamin. Benjamin. Hardy. it is Benjamin It's on my trick ticker. So people can read that. There are tons of bonuses for pre-ordering the book that are really cool stuff. Uh, I actually got it myself. So <laughs> it's just saying it's Thank really you. good. It's, it's like, it, there's some great bonuses. So go there. And so when does the book release? June 16th. Comes out June 16th. 
Yeah, it's just like six, six, like six-ish weeks. But yeah, there's pre-work. I mean, there's um, there are like there's a full personalities and permanent course where I walk you through the concepts of the book. There's a journaling course which, I think, ten thousand people have bought at this point. Like really wow. breaking down journaling strategies. Also, you know, we already talked about Genius Network, but I did a full day training in Genius Network. It's like six or seven hours just breaking down all my blogging strategies to get like a hundred million views. I actually in the G in the Genius Blogging course, I give away the book proposal for this book. Um. Because book wow. proposal, you know, if anyone who wants to become like a professional author or like even just an author who goes traditional, um, I kind of do a full training on how I wrote the book proposal for this. I actually got help with that from Ryan Holiday. Um, and so I give away the book proposal on that, but I teach all my blogging strategies. So there's many things we give away for free on BenjaminHurry.com if you pre-order the book. And, and to put it in context, that's, that was your first book, right? Willpower Doesn't Work. Yeah, first traditional book, yeah. The first traditional book. I did a few book. e-books, but yeah, that was the first traditional and um, you did have, you had a, a following because of your popularity. You're the number one most read uh, uh, author on medium.com. Medium. Sorry. I don't know why I was going to say something with the W. So medium.com. Uh, so you had that background, but writing it, if you want to be a book writer or write, write your book, if everybody's got that book inside of you that during COVID, right. And you're quarantined and you're writing that book right now, you probably need to know how to pitch it. All right. Let me skip down a little bit, which drives me nuts because I'm missing all over all these highlights. <laughs> Let's go. So we've talked about a little bit about the truth about the personality. Um, you, you, well, you tell Andre's story. Andre's a mutual friend of ours who basically was great a, story, right? Crazy story. Like people listen. To, I think that they're going to think some of this. That's made the purpose. Up. Trump's personality stuff. I mean, if you want to go there, totally. we can, but let's do it. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, there, I, do you want me to do it or do you want to do it, man? <laughs> well, well, so I'll tell the, the Cliff Note story of Andre. Andre was uh, someone who was, I think it was number two, uh, a head gang member in the prison system. He's had a life of He was terrible, a thug. He went to prison to 14 years. Big time thug. Like crazy stuff that he can tell you stories <laughs> of. But then he gets, he gets out and he decides that he wants to change that narrative. And he wants to change who people see him as. Now he has a Harvard. He's a, he's a fellow at Harvard, right? Doesn't yeah, he had Harvard an office degree. at Harvard and he had funded yeah. research at Harvard. He's spoken at Harvard. Yep. And but so Harvard he, became his goal. Harvard was his goal. And again, created his personality around the goal of what would somebody who goes to Harvard act like? How would they act like? What would they do? What would the goals be that they would put into place? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to realize that this whole idea that purpose trumps personality um, if you look at personality kind of just from a purely human standpoint, the idea is that you would avoid pain and pursue pleasure. You do what's comfortable. So if you view yourself as an introvert, you do what's comfortable. Um, you avoid pain at all costs and, and you just do what's natural or easy. But if you're someone who has a purpose in your life uh, or, you know, and again, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning is so key on this. You have to have a sense of future in order to have a purpose and that gives your life meaning. And when you have meaning in the present because of a, a goal you're willing to pursue, you don't really take pain and pleasure so, so much into account. You're just willing to do whatever is required. Um, and, and, and happiness isn't defined by pain or pleasure in the moment more as, you know, your purpose gives you joy and happiness and even the satisfaction of moving forward. And so I think that, but anyways, back to Andre and just really in general, it's important to realize that right now, even if you haven't defined one or not, you have a, a purpose. Your purpose may just be to pay the bills. It may be to just chill on Facebook, but we all have something that's guiding our behavior. And that's literally the thing that's shaping who you are right now. I told the story of Andre because at different episodes in his life, he adopted a different purpose. When he was in sixth grade, 
his purpose was to play the trumpet. Right. Um, and that was the thing shaping his goals and his future that gave him meaning in the present. But then because of social pressure, he got, got rid of his trumpet and all of a sudden he was surrounded by gang people and his purpose began to be to fit in with his friends. And so that's the thing that then shaped his identity, which over time became his personality. And then he ended up landing himself in prison and he decided that his purpose was to become the number one guy in prison. And that then became the thing that shaped his behavior and ultimately became his personality. And then at once he hit rock bottom, he realized that the goals he was pursuing and the purpose he was after was like the idea that you were climbing up a, a ladder facing the wrong wall or running enthusiastically the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of my biggest invitations to anyone reading this book. Like, so Andre said he realized at some point or another, it dawned on him that the end game of his goal, because his goal was to become the top guy in his prison cell, essentially, he said it was the, his Wizard of Oz moment. He realized that he'd been on the, the yellow brick road for many years and that at the end of the yellow brick road, there was no Wizard of Oz. It was all just a hoax. It was, it was not a purpose worth pursuing, even though he had been invested in it for many years. And so a big invitation of this book is to ask you, why are you pursuing what you're pursuing? Because that's the thing that's literally shaping your identity and your personality. And maybe why don't you pursue something different, something you would actively choose if you believed you had such a choice and you actually do have such a choice. And so your purpose is the thing that's driving who you become and your purpose should be far more important than your present personality. I'll talk about um, the idea of, you said, for example, Andre, when he was first a kid, he wanted to be a trumpet player. So identified himself as a trumpet player. I often talk about the reason why I don't smoke isn't because I think it's bad for me or wrong for me or it's terrible for my health. It's because I don't identify as a smoker. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not a runner because I don't identify as a runner. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't get it. Like I, I, it's, it's a completely foreign concept to me that somebody would actively choose to run 10, 15 miles, well, more than two miles. Right. But the same thing is true with someone who would actively choose to be, to identify as a gang member. Or someone who actively identifies as someone who goes on Facebook Live and talks about books to your friends. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Some people might not identify at all with what you're doing right now. No, absolutely. You know what's interesting about this is that ever since, (laughs) a little bit of a tangent, is that ever since uh, COVID happened, I I completely pivoted my business model in the sense that I'm doing a lot of these, right? I've had some really success on all these Facebook Lives. And I've had a lot of other consultants in my space reach out and saying, hey, can, can, can we do a Facebook Live together? Will you host me on one? And I'm like, it's a Facebook Live. It's, it's, it's not like, I'm not doing anything special. It's just- I'm in but, my house. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's not- Hey, dude, it, here's a secret. I'm there's no house. secret to it. It's like <laughs> you press a button and you go live. But some people don't identify with it. I totally get that. Um, let me ask you this. First of all, uh, Nicole is asking if, if they get the book on the 15th or the 16th, Will I bring you back on June 17th to answer all their questions? That's really good. Nicole. I will come back anytime. I will come That's back anytime idea. for Dino. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, no, That's a no. Idea. Let's go. I will totally come back. Here's the thing. If you buy the book now, the course takes you through most of the concepts. So you'll actually be yeah. able to cheat the whole wait until this comes out and just go through the course. Uh, I actually literally copy paste a lot of this book into the course. And so, uh, yeah, I'll come back and we can talk to Dino um, That's awesome. sometime in June and, and, you can, and we can answer more questions. That's a great Cause, idea. Because there's a lot of different directions this book goes. I mean, it's, it really well, is difficult to go through it in an hour. 
Well, and I want to actually go in a completely different direction right now for just a moment, because I, I kind of tease a lot of people getting on here. Obviously, I deal with a lot of orthodontists and dentists. And right now, with things looking like they might open up in the next few weeks, there's a challenge of bringing back people who uh, maybe they don't want them back, you know, because they were teamers <laughs> that maybe weren't part of the team. And then there's the, the real fact that there's going to be people who are going to be laid off, people are going to be looking for jobs. And a lot of people use personality tests before they hire someone and determine whether they're a good fit with that. How, what should they do instead? Yeah. What's a better alternative? Um, Well, there are great ways to uh, like great tests that are incredibly useful. There's some very well, like well-studied tests. Like, so type-based tests like Myers-Briggs disc, um, even Colby, even though Colby claims not to be a personality test. Um, those types of tests are, are not a good tool for prediction. They don't, you know, you could, there could be five different quick starts as an example. And that doesn't mean that they're all going to do things the exact same way. Right. So those, those tests are not good for prediction as far as predicting performance. Um, there are great tests for doing that. And, you know, there's tests on like IQ, there's tests on social ability, tests on learning ability, tests on emotional intelligence, tests on grit. I mean, there's, and so if you, if you feel the need to test, there are scientifically validated personality tests out there or just, or even just measures of performance. Um, the thing that I honestly do is I use, I use impact filters. Have you ever done an impact filter? Do you know? I have. Yeah. So like here's, so an impact filter is a one page tool by Dan Sullivan. And this is a total shameless plug, but like, this is what I use. Uh, and it really helps. I mean, we've found so many amazing people for every role that I've filled and I've filled, like, and I'm not a big entrepreneur, but I, I've filled five roles in the last year, um, you know, doing this thing. And so like, basically what the impact filter does is it's a one page tool and it really helps the entrepreneur extremely clarify what they're trying to accomplish and why it's so important. And it may, and it forces you to explain all of the requirements for what successful, successful completion looks like. And you do this all in one page, but just as an example, I recently hired someone for just my email. I wanted to offload my email from my assistant because I want her to focus on other things and she wanted to focus on other things and because I, I wanted to fo- her to focus on better things. I'm like, I want someone just for email. And one of the key things to know is, is that complexity kills motivation. So like the more, th- the more roles you're trying to cloister into one role, the less focused your individual wow. is going to be. And so every, I've found over time hiring more and more people that the, the less things that they have to do, the better. Like this role is this. This person is answering my emails, <laughs> at least in the beginning. She's now done a few other things because she's chosen to expand beyond that. But basically, I said, with the success, with the impact filter, what am I trying to accomplish? That's the first question. And I'm sure you can link. There's actually a link um, to a free download of the impact filter. But I'll, I'll explain why this is important. And you could create your own version. It's not like you have to use Dan's. But essentially, you have to say, what are you trying to accomplish? For me, it was, I want... I want my emails to be answered effectively and, you know, I I don't want to miss any opportunities that come through emails, but I also want my readers to feel valued. Why is this so important? You know, you're defining the what and the why. Why is this important? Because I don't want to miss amazing opportunities that will open to future growth. And I want every reader, you know, so like this is just me defining this one role. Here's what successful completion looks like. Every email is answered within 24 hours. You know, every email that has to do with podcasts is sent to Connie. Every And like literally you just spec out what does success look like? And then uh, I had Whitney go out and find someone. But once you've defined what the role clearly is and what successful completion of the role looks like, you will 
you are more likely to attract the right person. And from my perspective, my team's all digital, but for me, personality has zero to do with anything that I'm looking for. To me, it's, is this something you can do? And what evidence do you, can you give me that this is what you can accomplish? And are you excited about this? Um, and I actually hired someone just barely. She had a bachelor at marketing from BYU, loved the role. She had never actually answered email before, but she had spent the last few years doing online marketing. But she was like, I love this. I want, I absolutely can do that. And it's most tasks are doable from pe for people who, who can, you know, unless it's like the most technical task where it's like, you have to be a doctor or a dentist. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Mostly it's just, you have to just define what success looks like. And, and if the person really wants to do it and they, and they're confident that they can do it and they know what success looks like, then you need to do who, not how, and you need to give it to them and let them do it and not micromanage them. So what to I, me, that's been the key is just well, be well, really clear. Yeah. The, the area of having other types of tests, like the skills test, like you said, the emotional intelligence, stuff like that. Those are what I got actually out of your book is I, I had this, that question written down and I answered it for myself, but I want to hear what you had to say uh, was I think something really smart of them to do beyond uh, in addition to all of that is find out what the, how they see themselves, have them define their future self, what their future self is as a member of your team have that's more important to me. It is to, to continue that conversation with them, right? Because then I can speak to that through our employee evaluations, through our goals, all that. Well, listen to this. So I wrote a book with Dan Sullivan. It comes out in October. I was just going to mention it. Well, but just listen to this. <laughs> Dan said he might know Mike Colby, who, who knows, but my personality has nothing to do with my ability to do that task, which was to write a book for him. I, we could consider me an employee of Dan because I wrote the book, but actually we're just collaborators, but my personality had nothing to do with it. My future self had everything to do with it. I told him, Dan, I want to write a book with you on this subject. I think it would be really great. Um, and so I agree with you. One of the things that I do when it comes to like talking to someone about the job is I ask what's in it for you. Like, you know, um, Dan, you know, Joe Polish has the whole concept what's in it for them rather than what's in it for right. me. But right. like, I always ask aside from money, what is the, what is this job going to do for your future self? Like, why is this job a vehicle for helping you achieve your goals? Cause if this job is only about money and it's not about you achieving future goals, then it's the wrong fit. Like if you can clearly see that this job and doing this is going to help you achieve some higher aim, even if it's just freedom so that you can be with your kids. If this job isn't helping you achieve a higher aim, then I'm the wrong who for you. You may right. be the right who for me, but I need to be the right who for you, which means that this job needs to clearly lead to where you're trying to go. And if, if it is, then they're going to be intrinsically motivated. They're going to be excited because it's clearly a path towards their future self. So Nicole asked here during COVID, right? So one of the traumas that we talk about is the fact that for a lot of these doctors, COVID is a trauma, right? They were stopped from their work. They're all, they've, they've lived their whole life being able to achieve what they want, set their mind to it, being able to, <laughs> those future goals, put it out there, saw themselves as an orthodontist, saw themselves as a dentist, became that. And then the government literally came in and said, nope, you can't do that. And now we're going to actually even do more of, we're not sure when we're going to let you back in and how that's going to look. So there's some trauma happening right now. How do they reframe that? That's the first part of the question. The second is that there are some people who were one I, uh, personality, if you will, before COVID. During this time, they've had time to rethink who they are, what they want. And then now there's something different. So you might be bringing in the back with a different type of personality. 
How would you approach those people? But before you answer that, we are already eight minutes over our time. How, how much longer do I have you? Uh, I have to immediately, I have to, without question, be gone in about six minutes. Okay. All right. So answer that quickly, and then we're going to plug everything else for you. Awesome. Um, okay. Let's see if I can remember those seven questions. <laughs> okay. Hey, so, so the, way, the question whoa, is, no, no, no. We'll go to the doctors, the, right? Yeah. Yeah. The trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so everything can be framed one of two ways. And obviously there's millions of other ways you can frame it, but there's nuances. Either this is happening for you or it's happening to you. Um, if it's happening to you, then you are literally forcing your current perspective on the situation. You're forcing your current view of the situation and saying, this is how things must be viewed. Um, or you can say this is happening for me and you can choose to use this as an opportunity to move forward. Like either way, if it's happening to you, then you're stuck in either the present or the past. If it's happening for you, then it's something that's happening in the future. And so like, there's a really good quote from William Durant. He's a, he's a famous historian. Totally recommend his book, The Lessons of History. He explains the rise and falls of nations. And he's like one of the most prestigious historians of all time. But he says that the ability of the average person could be doubled if the situation demanded it. Um, and so he's, you know, basically says that history is not shaped by great men. It's actually shaped by situations. What we're in right now is a situation. This situation is going to shape history. Um, and so... It's kind of up to you how you choose to respond to this. Like, you know, Charles Darwin said, it's not the strongest or the smartest of species that wins. It's the ones that the most adaptable to change. Psychological flexibility. So it's like, I guess my question for those, you know, trauma ceases to be trauma the moment you stop being defined by the past and you start moving forward in your future, right? And so this will be a trauma as long as you last it, as long as you let it to be. In psychology, we call it a refractory period. As long as you choose to, you know, be stuck in your initial response and remain paralyzed by what occurred and the meaning you gave to it. You can change the meaning of it and then you can commit to the purpose, which is your future and you can get moving forward. So I would say that I would say you have to go back to purpose. What's your purpose beyond COVID? Um, How does COVID maybe change your purpose or how does it force you to adapt your process? And maybe it even enhances or changes your purpose because if it's that powerful, but in any way you need to get back to purpose and, and that goes beyond the present and your future self is more important than what's going on right now. I love it. Uh, It's the reason why I wrote the post that I did yesterday about the world has stopped for you. Like the world stopped for you. (laughs) It's a big blessing for so many people who choose to let it be. Oh yeah. I, well, um, I wrote, I wrote that little piece, literally thought of it for you. I love that prayers. Yeah. I wrote a whole thing. It's been shared over a hundred times now on Facebook because I just, there's so many lessons we get to learn from this because we get to choose. Oh my gosh. Literally, the world has stopped so you can choose into a different future so that you can love more, so you can connect more, so you can be more. So um, It's just I, important to really – I'll go finish, finish. No, no I'm just going to say that one of the things that resonated with me when you said that was you have a quote in here that says, um, this is how successful people live. They become who they want to be by orientating their life toward their goals, not as a repeat of the past – by acting bravely as their future selves, not by perpetuating who they formerly were. And that's a huge, to me, that's like the theme of this book. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, your behavior is either predicted by your past or it's predicted by your future. And if you're living intentionally and courageously and on purpose, that means it's being predicted by your future. And right now you have the time to sit and decide how you want your personality to be 
and more importantly, your identity to be when you get back from all of this. And even right now as a parent, I had, I, I'll finish up with this. I, my oh, wife good. and I were listening to something just the other day where someone was talking about being home with their kids. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I can't wait to get back. I mean, I've been trapped with my kids for this whole time. And my it's wife a way to and hear both, these narratives, right? It's crazy to hear these stories, right? These horror stories. We looked at each other and I was like, this is like, I never would want your kid to hear that recording. Like you never want your kid to hear it like, oh. This How would so your future self want to listen to that recording, right? Right, exactly. So, no, I mean, I just think, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, just one last thought on that subject yeah. is, is that there is no, this is one thing that stunned me in psychology when I came to of it is there is no objective reality. Like that scared me. I mean, the only one that you could think of if you're a religious person is God's view. But like in our world, there is no objective reality. Like there is literally your choice of how you see it. Like you get to, and so like we all have different perspectives on COVID-19. We're all going to choose how we handle this situation. And like literally your perspective of it and the meaning you give to this event is up to you. Uh, and if you're choosing to like, let this thing be something that's causing your problems, that says more about you than it says about COVID-19. Yeah. So true. So true. If you make this excuse. Well, Ben, we got to get you out of here. I so appreciate your time. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to do this again. Because yeah, I'm no, telling we're going to do it again in June. I'm only halfway through my notes, man. So like yeah. we totally, and I skipped through a lot. We can so. do a Q and a too. If like, if you've got Definitely. people on here that want to read the book or go through the course and we want to just do a crazy Q and a, Obviously yeah. the book, uh, I think the book will shock and stun some people in a positive way. And uh, I don't know, what are, your, what are your take? You think there's some controversy in this book? Well, what I, I, the first part of the book is all controversial because of the idea. I, I, that's how I promoted this event was saying like, this is going to be touch some pushing buttons. I have friends on here who teach the different personality things. And, and I think the thing about it is this, it's not that it's, they're bad. It's yeah. just that it's like, you need to be aware that it's not sound science. It doesn't have to define you. It, stop making the excuses. How I'm going to use it, I'll tell you how I'm going to use this. I now have the ammunition because of the research and the studies that are in here to talk about it to not only say, okay, I get it that you took that personality test that says you're a quick start or you're a researcher or whatever. That's cool. And let's go beyond that. What do you want it to be? How do you want that to define you in the future? And your book gives the tools on exactly how to do that on how to reframe, how to rewrite, how to set those goals. Even sitting down and doing that line where you say, okay, I woke up this morning and I did this. Why did I do that? And, and go through the whole exercise of why you did what you did throughout the day. Man, that's like having a food journal for yourselves <laughs> on why you ate the things that you did and it makes you rethink why you're doing the thing you do. So there's a ton of great tools in this that I'm going to be using for sure. And I, I just love it. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to be with us. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I spent the last year and a half killing myself to t- turn this thing into a reality. And I'm glad I could talk to you about it. And I will be back, Dino. And I love you, man. And we'll talk yeah, very I, I, soon, man. I love you too. We're going to let Ben go. I'm going to stay on for just a moment. If there's any questions on here, a couple more announcements, but everybody give Ben huge ups, follow him on Instagram and on Twitter and all that. Is that stuff that you want? BenjaminHardy.com is the place I'd have you go. Go to BenjaminHardy.com and follow all the stuff. Get pre-orders book right now. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. Wow. Okay. So everybody, we didn't get through literally half of the stuff that I had here notes wise uh, because I just really, really love so much what he said. And by the way, I know a ton of the things that he talked about was, uh, and the reason why I resonated with it is because a lot of confirmation bias, right? It's a lot of the stuff that I talk about, that I believe, that I teach. 
And, um, and yet now he's got the research to back it up. It's almost as if I gave him a list of things to say, Hey, so I talk about this. Will you back this up with some sort of, uh, <laughs> some, uh, science or some studies that prove it. And I don't want anybody to leave this, this event or watching this thinking that all personality tests are bad. It's not, it's not that they're bad. They're neutral, right? You take them. It's kind of my example of am I Dylan or am I Brandon, right? You just take it as, as what it is. Maybe I'm David, who knows? But you have to be willing to just take it with a grain of salt, maybe even for awareness of like, huh, so that's, that's how I see myself right now. Nicole made a comment earlier today about uh, earlier in here about you, you already go in with some sort of idea of how you want it to be or how you perceive yourself to be. We often take personality tests. We often write things down based upon what we would like the answer to be versus our true honesty of who we are, or maybe even thinking about our future self. Well, maybe that's what I feel right now, but I'm going to be this in the future, which is what I loved about Ben. A couple of announcements for those of you that are still on. I really appreciate it. First of all, if you have any questions, uh, I'm going to stand for a couple more minutes, ask me any questions, even about the book, uh, about some, uh, maybe a disagreement. If you have a disagreement, that's fine too. But on there's a big announcement. I haven't told anybody this yet. I'll be announcing this in just a uh, uh, online later on today, Thursday night at uh, 4.30 Pacific Standard Time. I will be interviewing Dr. Scott Law from Smile Doctors. And I've known him before there was a Smile Doctors. Matter of fact, I think it was before there was even a thought of Smile Doctors. I've had the privilege of knowing him and his wife, Jessica, for a while. I wrote about him in my book, The Practice Rx and about what they created there. We're going to talk about how your culture right now is so important. And when you get back from COVID, see, he built his practice right after 2008. I think it started 2009. And so he had the aftermath of that, which probably wasn't the greatest time to build a practice. And I know there are other doctors on here have done that, but he was able to scale his practice throughout that time. So we're going to be interviewing Dr. Law on Thursday night. And I'm really excited about that because he's got some really smart ways to think about culture around business, uh, looking at your business through a different structure. And I believe it's what's helped him grow from when I first met him one practice to now over 150, I think it's close to 200 practices with what they've developed through Smile Doctors. The point of the conversation isn't, yeah, you should all, you know, uh, that DSOs are right or wrong or good or bad. That's not it at all. It's about saying, how do we build in the aftermath of this? How do we rise from the ashes, if you will? So please mark your calendars for Thursday evening uh, to make sure that we, you are on that call. I think it's going to be a great conversation. Also, feel free to, um, there's some angry faces. I don't know why there's angry faces, um, but there's a lot of hearts. So I appreciate those. Uh, Make sure you follow me on my Instagram, as it says on the ticker right now. Is it going across? Look at that, going across the ticker. I also uh, go to Instagram, also on TikTok. If you haven't followed me on TikTok, I put two dances up on TikTok this weekend. So make sure you go do that. Wanted to find out from you, please feel free to email me, leave comments here on Facebook, uh, private message me. What are some areas you would like me to focus on on some of these Facebook Lives? I'm reaching out to some really cool people. I have a conversation going on with Ron Clark. If you've ever read the book, um, uh, gosh, just slipped my mind, Move Your Bus. Uh, if you haven't had your team read that, you should definitely have your team read that book. I'm reaching out to him. I'm in talks with Ron Clark and his people to get him on a Facebook Live. I just sent an email out. I know it's a huge, I'm swinging for the fences, folks. 
I just sent an email out to Mark Cuban. Now I mentioned to Ben that I, I don't follow sports at all. I know about sports and I understand certain things. The only professional basketball game I've ever been to is the Dallas Mavericks. And I sent an email out to him. Who knows if it'll happen or not, but you know, you, you miss every single shot you don't take, right? And so I have an email out to him. I have uh, different emails out to different people that I'd love to connect with to see if uh, we could get, oh, thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. To see if we could, um, to see who, what's, what we can deliver for you. But I'd love for you to tell me who you'd like me to reach out to. Listen, if I reach out to people and being able to say to them, hey, I've already got people asking for me to interview you or to have you on the, the Facebook Lives, it makes it a lot easier. What would you like us to focus on? What would you like me to focus on? If you want me to do a training just by itself uh, where I can do a Facebook Live and, and share with you some ideas that I think you're going to need to know business-wise as you're going back to business, let me know. I'm happy to help you out with that. So, um, oh, that was the other thing, technical stuff. I had an email yesterday from someone who asked me, or uh, actually it was a, a private message on Facebook, asking me some tech, technical things that they thought I, they should have in their office for virtual meetings and trainings, like what type of camera or microphone, or how can we do the, a good background, or how do we get this ticker going on, things like that. If you would like me to do a Facebook Live around that, I'm happy to do that. So talk to me and email me about the areas you would like me to focus on and where I can help serve you the most. You guys, I really appreciate your support on all of my Facebook Lives and everything that's going on here and what we have going on. I don't know how many people were on today, but looks like quite a few, so I'm excited about that. Please watch the, the, uh, the review, the rewatch, the recording. If you haven't seen my recording last week with Cameron Harold the former COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, brilliant mind. He gave out some really great, amazing tips. One of them, most importantly, is to not allow yourself to become something you weren't before just because everyone else is saying it. Example, if you were not an average doctor before, if you were not an average business owner before, why are you accepting that you would be average now? Don't do that. You're not going to be average. Talked to a doctor just on uh, Friday morning or Friday, yeah, Friday morning. And we were talking about his predictions for going back. And he was saying, yeah, I'm really kind of concerned because we, I'm, I'm expecting we're going to have somewhere between 25, maybe even 50% drop in new patient exams and new patient starts. And I let him tell me his whole concern and uh, the reason why people aren't going to have money and people are going to be out of jobs and all sorts of stuff. I let, him, I let him tell me the whole thing. And then I said, Doc, wait a minute. When this all started, you were hitting, because of the things that we were doing and I was helping you with your team, we were hitting 10, 15, 20, 25% increases every month on new patient exams. You were rocking. He's like, yeah, I know. I said, when was the last time you ever did anything average? And he said, well, yeah, we, we're not an average company. So you're not an average orthodontic company. You're one of the stars, you're rocking it. You know who you are. Why are you going to, as a leader, go back and let your team believe that it's okay to be anything less than, than, than stellar, that it's okay to be average? Because unfortunately, what will happen is if you plant that seed in the head of your team members that, you know, you guys just expect that we're only going to have, we're going to be like 25, 50% down. I mean, COVID did this. Well, guess what you're going to do? 
you're going to hit 25 to 50% down and your team members are going to be able to use that as an excuse when they say, when you say, well, we're not hitting our goals. Like, yeah, but you know, COVID you led the way you can't lead that way. You have to lead more powerfully by saying, no, we're not going to accept that. We're going to do this. We have to be better than at pre-screening our clients. We have to let them know what type of clientele and patients we want to see. We have to set the pace. We can't have them setting the pace. COVID can't set the pace for us. So if you're listening to this right now, which all 13 of you are, or if you're listening to the replay, I'm just going to implore upon you, whatever it is you do, whether you're in the orthodontic industry or not, I see a lot of people on here like Matt and Amber and Carolyn and uh, Avery and Beneath, Beneath, I don't know, Beneath, that's a great name. John and uh, George and Eric and Denise and Janine and Sonia and Gina and Nicole and Daphne and Michael and Alyssa and Gina and a ton of you people. If you're on here right now, here's what I'm going to implore. Melissa, I'm going to implore you. Do not, do not buy into the supposed narrative that is out there in your business. When we get back to business, yes, you might have to work a little more strategically. Yes, you might have to screen your patients better. You might have to work longer hours. I'll give you an example of this. When the doc was talking, he was saying, yeah, we, um, uh, we he, he created a plan of how they're going to get back. They're going to work five days a week. They're going to do uh, split shifts and all this stuff. Like he had this whole plan, right? And I said, think about it this way. What a great time this is for you to implement not just the great way that you're going to structure your business, but the mindset of your business. If you would have gone to your team members last year at this time and said, hey, everybody, guess what? Now we're going to work five days a week. Uh, we're going to do split shifts. And, and you gave them this plan last year. They would have said you're crazy. They would have had a mass exodus. But right now, they're willing to actually do it. They're willing to be like, okay. As a business owner, you have the perfect example, the, uh, the perfect excuse to implement all the things that you wanted to implement throughout the last couple of months or years, years for many of you. With your patients, you have the perfect excuse to create the protocols that you want for new patients and what they must do. Everyone is willing to go along with it. And if not, that's okay. They're just not a fit for you. Uh, you will have to be lesser focused on following up when the door is open for sure. laser focused. Yes, absolutely. I think you should be laser focused. Uh, Eric, Eric said that you'll have to be laser focused on following up when uh, the door is open for sure. I actually think you should be laser focused on that right now. There's no reason why you can't be calling people, following up with them saying, Hey, we're still in business. Which, uh, we're doing virtual exams now lead them into what you want to do. It's your business. You get to create. One of the things we didn't get to talk about with Ben was that it's your story. Make it up. Well, it's your business. Make it up. As long as it's not illegal, immoral, or fattening, it's okay. You can do it. And fattening is questionable too. So be willing to make it up. Um, you get to run the business the way that you want. So right now, this is the time for you to set the pace for the mindset. As leaders, you must you must walk in there saying, this is how we're doing it. We're not accepting what the narrative is. We're not accepting what everybody else just expects it to be. You can't do that. Tomorrow I have a, a client, a group client call with all of my clients. I get together with them every other Tuesday and I have a conversation with them about how to move forward in the future. And this is the focus of that call. You must 
focus on the future. You must not allow what is going to be average, what your assumptions are to be true. You just can't, or you're going to ruin your business. You're going to be out of business. Don't make the excuses. If you've done anything over this last couple of weeks at home, please tell me that you've worked on the muscle to grow your business and to strengthen who you are as a leader, not just accept the average. So that, uh, if you haven't watched that uh, with Cameron Harold from last week, last Friday, go do so. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Thank you for, I get emails and texts all the time from everybody. Uh, just, just so generous and so uh, appreciative of what we're doing here. And I'm so grateful for that. When we, um, I just got a message. When will I be selling frame versions of the world stop for you? That is so funny. Okay. I actually thought about that last night. I'm like, I wonder if people would want to buy that uh, maybe with my signature on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's that. I am touched. If, for those of you who haven't read the um, World Stop For You post that I put yesterday that's seriously been shared by over 100 people. Thank you so much. Like it really was. I sat down yesterday morning. It took me maybe, I want to say a half an hour to just write them down. I had more, but I figured I should probably stop at 20. It was getting kind of crowded. But just in to frame it up and put it in that space and, and to share it with the world, it was just something that came through me. And I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. It means a lot to me. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll be doing some framed versions of that. That would be fun. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, John, for being here. Uh, all right. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, send me an email. That'd be great. And everybody have an amazing day. I hope this started your week off fantastically. You're going to do great. Remember, just remember like what Ben says, see your future self and write towards the future self. Believe towards the future self and uh, you will create the identity that you want. None of you are stuck in that personality that you believe you are. We are all able to create our own identity for what we want in the future. I believe that. I know that. And uh, I've been doing that. And I'm excited to uh, hear your stories of that. Talk to you soon, everybody. Have an amazing day. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Best Practices. If you haven't subscribed so you can be alerted when a new episode comes out, please do so now. You never know what idea or piece of information that will be shared by our experts will make all the difference in your practice or your life. Also, if you've not told a friend about the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you did. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode.